We are proudly supported by Yonder Coffee. You can't have a podcast that involves pastries without a coffee and pastry shop. And Yonder Coffee is that for us. Yonder is a local SoCal coffee shop in Northridge, and they have the best coffee. And I am normally a cream and sugar kind of guy, but I have been digging their just black Americanos lately, and it's been amazing. It is really, really good. And they don't just have coffee. They have other drinks as well. Um, My wife is really enjoying their lavender latte and lavender tea. It is amazing. And they make in-house pastries that are just out of this world as well. We eat them on our show. We send them to our guests. It is fantastic. You have to try Yonder Coffee. And now they have a cafe cart that will come to your events as well. Community is very important to Yonder. So invite them in and see how they can enhance your next event, wedding, ceremony, reunion, or Super Bowl party. Who knows? Anything can happen at Yonder Coffee. Visit Yonder Coffee at yondercoffee.com or Instagram at Yonder Coffee. My name is Adam, and welcome to Pastors and Pastries. I am a pastor, and I love pastries. And I'm super excited for our guest today is Michael Davis. He is the head pastor of Anchored Hope Church in Troy, Missouri, and Wright City, Missouri. And he is just a great guy. Uh, I've known him since high school. We were in the same theater class together, went to the same church, same youth group. We went on mission trips together. Um, I have a picture somewhere of him giving me a piggyback ride. I was wearing a dress. Don't ask questions. Uh, We were in high school and um, we had a really good conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it. We do talk about mental health things, depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And we just want to make it clear that if you are dealing with any of those three things, that there is help available. And uh, we encourage you to go check out BetterHelp or Faithful Counseling or log on to Psychology Today to look up therapists in your area or contact your healthcare provider. And we're not sponsored by any of those people, but. Um, especially as people in ministry, those those things are hot topics that we don't get to talk about a whole lot. So we want to encourage you to talk to somebody to help you get through those um, those situations. So I hope you enjoy Michael Davis. Hey, you guys! Now this message is for anybody. Okay, God, you got our attention. Now what? All right, Michael Davis, welcome to Pastors and Pastries. Um, welcome. I'm, I'm excited you're on. You are the person I've known the yeah. longest that's been on this podcast, I think, um, so far. So uh, I'm excited about that. First of all, tell us who you are. What's your name? Where are you from? And what church are you at? Yeah, uh, I am Michael Davis, and uh, I'm in the St. Louis area. I've kind of grown up around here in different spots here and there. Uh, But I planted a church uh, 11 years ago in Troy, Missouri. It's outside of St. Louis. And then out of that church, we planted another one just a year ago in Wright City, Missouri. It's kind of down the highway from St. Louis. And so we've been out here for 11 years. And then before that, my dad planted a church um, in O'Fallon that's around St. Louis. And so just always kind of been a, a Midwestern boy. But here we are. 
Yeah. So the second church you planted, is that just like a sister church or is it a completely different church or? Yeah. So, you know, when my dad planted his kind of model that he always kind of shot for was, you know, let's, let's not ever grow like a really, really huge church. Let's try to keep it small enough to where, you know, if you were gone, people would miss you. And it was kind of connected uh, in relationships and stuff. And so it, it was actually his church that uh, called me out to even plant the Troy Church uh, 11 years ago. They had people that were driving, you know, 25 minutes, yeah. and they loved it. And they said, man, we love this church, but we'd really like a church in our town that, you know, <laughs> we could invite our neighbors to that, you know, did stuff in our community and everything. And I was yeah. in Nebraska at the time, and they called me and said, you know, would you be interested? Because, you you know, you know our DNA, you know the culture already. We wouldn't have to teach it to you or anything. And I actually yeah. told them no three times. I was like, no. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was looking to plant. I was a youth pastor in Nebraska, and it was, I had actually kind of, you know, been told, you know, we're going to kind of groom you to take over when this pastor retires and everything. So I had it all set up. But, oh, nice. Um, but I was, I, Kate and I had talked about it, and I just had a, heart for planting a church. And so I was actually looking, I was actually interviewing at churches trying to find the right fit and nothing was fitting. And so hmm. home called and I told him no, just because a lot of church plants fail and it would be, yeah. you know, there's something about, um, having a home to come home to, you know, like at Christmas yeah. and holidays, yeah. it's like, Hey, I get to go home for the holidays. And I'm like, okay, so if I go home and it's my job and I'm no longer Michael, I'm pastor Mike. And uh, then what if I fail? I mean, I'm failing. Mm. I mean, the people that were in our core were my college roommate, my best man in my wedding, his parents, yeah. you know, uh, people you yeah. and I went to youth group with. And I'm like, okay, yeah. so if I screw this up, that's one thing. <laughs> but then if I screw it up with people that I love and, yeah. and I can't ever show my face in home, at home again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd have to run away. This could yeah. be the most devastating thing that ever happened to me. Uh, but we eventually, you know, it was really the people that were part of the core of that thing that were asking me to come. And Kate and I came and our hearts were just aligned. You know, we all had the same kind of dream. And so yeah. I told him yes. And my dad's moved on. He's, you know, in Oklahoma now yeah. and everything. But uh, yeah, but we just kind of took the ball and ran with it. And uh, our Troy campus has a building now that we've had for for uh, five to six years. It's a it's an old building. It dates back to the Civil War. Uh, it's the oldest oh, wow. church in town, but we've completely rehabbed it and gutted it and you know, done as much as we could. And uh, so from the outside, it looks like a haunted house. On the inside, it looks like a modern church. Um, and so what you see online does not even represent what the parking lot looks like. Uh, wow. But uh, but it's cool. And so same thing kind of happened in the middle of the pandemic. We had all these people driving from Wright City to Troy because hmm. their churches just shut down. They didn't, they were doing anything. Yeah. And so here I had all these people from Wright City going, hey, you know, we would like a church in our town. Same you situation. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, it's just a God thing. So I do Wednesday night in Wright City and I do the same message. Okay. And then on Sunday, we just went to two services and then I do that same message on Sunday twice. So wow. everybody's getting the same content and everybody's getting the same preacher. And then uh, my staff, they just, they rotate. So, okay. um, we do youth in Troy on Wednesday nights and then youth on Sundays in Wright City. My children's pastor, Carrie Allred, which you know, um, she goes back and forth between the campuses with me. And wow. it just kind of works. People ask me how in the world we do it. And I'm like, 
I don't really know yet. <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't my plan. It was God's. Yeah. I really thought I really thought I would hire somebody by now to like sure. be the campus pastor. But I uh, in the times that we're in, a lot yeah. of pastors, uh, younger pastors especially, is after the pandemic, they're established. They don't yeah. want to move. You know, um, I mean, they're like in your and I situation. You know, mm-hmm. you just got married. You have a life where you are. If somebody called you and was like, do you want to move and cross many states and start over again? A right. lot of people our age would be like, nah, not really, because my spouse works and they have a life mm-hmm. and I don't want to just uproot everybody. So it is what it is. But, man, I, I really do enjoy it. I probably think this last year has been the best year of ministry I've had and probably the most fun I've had. I'm really I'm having the most fun I've ever had doing it, which is probably something we'll talk about in a little bit. But yeah. It, it's definitely fun. That's amazing, man. Well, I mean, that's awesome. That God just keep on blessing you. And yeah, I mean, coming home to to plant a church, I would assume that some of that fear would be like, oh, I'm just, I'm Brian's son. Like, I'm Pastor Brian's son. Just coming home to do it, you know. So there's a shadow almost to, did you feel that at all? Of Like, there might be a shadow from your dad already and you're then going to go plant a church, you know, under your dad? Yeah. So it's funny you say that because it was a whole life learning thing. You know, I so, you know, obviously I grew up um, as a pastor's kid. But then too, the first context that I had um, in Nebraska, the pastor that I was under, he was very much about the position of being a pastor, you know, Um, a pastor you know, should be respected, should be seen. You know, I even remember one time um, I was talking about uh, the pastor and I, I named him by his first name and somebody corrected me and they said, no, it's pastor this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and they were very much about that. And so, you know, for me, I mean, you know me as Michael, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. when we were in youth group and we were kids, you knew me as Michael. And really when I became a pastor, there was this idea I came out of with college um, that I am not now, I'm no longer Michael. I am Pastor Mike, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it was almost like this um, almost like this identity that I adopted and I felt like I had to have in order to get respect, but also yeah. in order to earn the right to be heard, which keep in mind, a lot of people in my context you know, they, they go to ministry, they go to school for four years, and then they go to seminary. So by the time they actually start ministry, they're probably 25, 26, right. you know, whatever. Um, I was 22 when I was in Nebraska. So I look like a baby, you yeah. know, I mean, I look like a kid. And so I was trying to get respect from people. And I thought I could wear the pastor hat mm. in order to get that. And so I went by Pastor Mike. So when I came here, to your point, you know, I was afraid of here I am with my college roommate and people who have known me for 20 years. Yeah. Um, what am I going to do? And I told my dad, we had a conversation. I said, here's my rule. In front of people, you can never refer to me as your son. Hmm. You can never look at me and be like, no, son, you know, <laughs> you have to refer to me as Pastor Mike, you know, and I was really strict about that. And I understand looking back on it, why we did that. And it did Mm -hmm. help me in some ways. But what I've learned over time is there was a point in time in my life where I finally took that hat off and I was like, okay, I don't need to be Pastor Mike. And it was actually on a sabbatical that I took. I, I made this kind of decision. I spent a lot of time with God and everything. And I was like, you know what? I think one of the things that's holding me back is I'm trying so hard to be Pastor Mike that I'm losing sight of who Michael is. 
And so that's good. I just came back from that sabbatical and I was like, all right, here's the deal. I am no longer Pastor Mike. I'm going to be Michael and I'm going to unapologetically be myself. Mm. And so, you know, I mean, I've, I'm covered in tattoos. Yeah. It used, there was a point in time where I, I, I was told in college, don't, don't have, ta- don't show tattoos. If you're going to have your tattoos, don't show them. So I was always like, you know, sh- hiding them behind, under my shirt and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were so many things I would do, how I would get my hair cut, how I would dress. I felt like I had to look the part. pastoral, yeah. you know, to look the part. And then I came back from a sabbatical and, um, I just kind of had a come to Jesus thing and, you know, started being really aware of like mental health and stuff. And I was like, nah, man, if I'm going to do this and if I'm going to last in this game, I got to be unapologetically myself. And so I started changing everything, started changing, you know, how I dressed, what I Mm. did. I I started, you know, unapologetically showing my tattoos and what they are. Um, and even how I introduced myself on Sunday mornings, if you watch online, you know, I used to introduce myself as Pastor Mike to everybody. As, but now if you watch online, my go-to thing, it's funny, my people can recite it back to me because it's just, it's automatic. Yeah. I get up there and I, and I say, hi, my name's Michael and I'm one of the pastors here. I don't use my authority yeah. to go, I'm, I'm Pastor Mike and I'm the senior pastor around here. Yeah. I, I simply say I'm Michael and I'm one of the pastors because I am, I'm one of the pastors. You're going to learn pretty quick that I'm, I'm the lead dog, yeah. but I don't need to you know, tote that on stage. Right. It's not the first thing you need you, to know. Nah, yeah. man. And so, um, that's my introduction to people all the time. And even when I go up to people, um, I introduce myself as Michael, you know, I very rarely tell people that I'm, I'm pastor Mike or I'm a pastor. And even when people are like, this is pastor Mike, I always correct them. And I say, I oh, just call me Michael, yeah. you know? And so some people call me pastor. Some people call me Michael. Um, but at the same time, anytime I'm introducing my staff, I always refer to them as Pastor Ashley, mm-hmm. Pastor Carrie, Pastor Mike, because that's my way of showing them respect, mm-hmm. um, pastor to pastor. I don't expect it from anybody, yeah. but I always um, I always give that courtesy to other pastors as well. Um, I don't know. It's just a weird thing that I've kind of developed, but it's really allowed me to be myself yeah. and to have fun. And, you know, it helped. It helped during my working relationship with my dad. But I think when he left and I was free from that and I had to decide who I was going to be like, mm-hmm. OK, now your dad's gone. You got this church by yourself and it's up to you. What are you going to do? And I started to have some mental health crises and figure some things out for myself. Mm. And I just came back from that sabbatical and I was like, all right, man, this is this is who I'm going to be from now on. And I can't tell you how much it actually helped me as a pastor relate to people and seem like a normal person oh sure Um, yeah i I totally get that and it's it's i think it did serve a time for you too because i mean i can i'm different i have a different ministry situation than you you went to school so let's back up a little bit you went to school i'm an american nazarene you went to school knowing you're gonna be a pastor correct right yeah yeah i i I fought i fought with it for a long time you know i I tell this story all the time but i didn't want to be a pastor I was going to go to SEMO and be a physical therapist. That was my dream. And then God got a hold of my heart and called me into ministry. And that just was the best place to go for me to learn that. But, you know, even in, uh, I I told this story a couple weeks ago. I remember my freshman orientation, very first class we took, 
the professor made everybody go around the room and say, you know, why, why do you want to be a pastor? And then everybody's going around the room and telling these great stories of, you know, they were lost and then they were found and God got yeah. a hold of them and they just want to go out and change the world. And it came to me and they're like, why do you want to be a pastor? I was like, because I have to be. Because <laughs> God ha- hates me. Chose, I have no choice. Chose me for some reason, you know, and. Uh, even my dad, when I first told my dad, he was not supportive of it. He, he, really? he pushed back hard and I, oh, wow. well, he knows, he, he knows. knows. And, yeah. and, and, and he always told me too. He always said, man, you know, when we finally, you know, came to peace about it and everything, he told me, he's like, Hey, I don't want, I don't want you to think I was being a hard butt on you or anything. But you know, the thing is, is Michael, you're going to have days where like, you're not going to want to get out of bed and do ministry. Mm. The only reason you're going to get up it's because it's between you and God and you know it's what God wants you to do. It's not because people or because everybody thinks you're great or clapping or anything. You're just, you're going to get out there and you're going to shovel the snow and you're going to shovel the sidewalk and you're going to be there before anybody else. Yeah. And nobody's going to thank you, but you're going to do it because you know it's what God wants you to do. And so he was just really careful to not, you know, tell me, oh yeah, you can do this. You know, he he wanted it to be a dis- personal decision of mine between me and God. And yeah. and I rode that out. And I mean, I I went to college and I was just trying to be obedient. I was fighting it still, but I was just trying to be obedient. And, you know, sure enough, I probably graduated with 20 to 30 ministry majors, and there's probably only a handful of us left that are still in ministry because a lot of them did burn out, especially during the pandemic and everything. And so um, I'm thankful for those lessons, and I'm thankful for my dad and 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 how he helped me navigate through it and everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was at MNU and then I went straight from MNU to Nebraska. Um, and how long I, were you there? I was there for two and a half years. Um, as a youth pastor, right? As a youth pastor. Yeah. Yep. And then to Troy and I planted my first church by the age of 24 yeah. and, uh, I turned 36 next Monday. <laughs> Jeez. The geez. We'll go back to the being pastor Michael thing. I think coming back to, no matter what happened in Nebraska, but coming back to your home, like you said, where people saw you grow up, like they saw you as a little kid. Uh, and then now you're this man and now they have to submit under your authority. Like that's hard for people. So being Pastor Michael and, and making sure that people are calling you that, I think that that's probably helped you in that aspect of being a pastor to the community of people that has saw you at your lowest at the times where you were a goofy teenager, uh, making weird jokes, you know, and now you're on the stage preaching and, and, bringing people to salvation. You want to know something really weird? All right. I said, you'll, you'll relate to this because you know me. So I kid you not. So we, we plant this church, right? I, there's been like three occasions where I've had ex-girlfriends from high school show no. up at church. You know, some of them, <laughs> you know, some of them, I'm not going to well, say, I'm glad, you, but I'm you glad know, some of church, them. Though. I'm glad they're at church. <laughs> some of them you dated, some of them you dated. I, and I dated, <laughs> So, so, so I'll paint, I'll paint you a picture. <laughs> this is everyone's worst nightmare. Okay. <laughs> so, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm preaching. I see the person. I clearly recognize them. They're now married. I'm now married. Yeah. Right. I'm at the back door shaking hands and saying bye to people. Girl walks directly up to my wife. and was like, hi, I'm so-and-so. I used to date your husband. No. <laughs> I'm like, oh my well, gosh. these are stories. These are stories not everybody could tell. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is. It's weird context like that. I mean, you got people who literally saw you when you were a teenager and when you were stupid. 
You got yeah. X. You got X. I mean, I'm serious. I've, I've had to DM apologies to people and be like, hey, I just hope you know I'm not the same person I was when I was 13. I know it was, I, I did some ignorant stuff, but, yeah. you know, um, but it's cool, too, because it, it's helped me make some connections and stuff to people that uh, I have. I've had for a long time and uh, it's opened some doors for me. And I have I've seen people that were a part of, you know, my life and your life. 20, 20 years ago, or, you know, even longer. And it's funny. Um, my worship leader now was a guy you and I went to high school with that I took drama class with, and he's my worship leader, you know, and it's, I'm like, you know, you, it's cool in the position that I'm in now. I'm so grateful because I, I look back and if I could go grab my younger self when I was 15 and go, Hey, that guy sitting in front of you, that's a couple years older than you, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. going to be your worship pastor. And one day you two are going to be, cr- you know, crying on Sunday morning, praying over, you know, his kid who's going to yeah. be at your altar because they're dealing with something. And I'm like, man, how cool is that to like God to connect those dots and intersect our lives? Like it, uh-huh. it, op- it opens my eyes because now all the time when I meet people and stuff, I'm like, I wonder where this is going to go. Mm, I want, yeah. I wonder in 20 years, what relationship Am I going to be, you know, have with this person and what difference are maybe we going to be doing in the world? But also, too, it makes me think when I run into somebody now, I treat everybody like they're going to maybe be that person. Mm. Like this person, I need to treat them a certain way and love them a certain way because, man, Mm -hmm. what if they're the next person in my life who's going to down the road? God wants us to be on a team together, do something together. It's just, yeah, it's cool, man. That's awesome. Our pastor, my head pastor always says going to Ralph's, which is a grocery store in California, going to Ralph's isn't always about just going to Ralph's. You know, there's always a reason why you're, you're somewhere. Pumping gas at the gas station isn't just about pumping gas, but it's about who you may come in contact with and, right, you know, right. their life journey. And um, God may have placed you there for a specific reason. So that's, that's fantastic. So we obviously went to school with people that uh, we needed to go to school with. So that, that way one day you guys can be working together. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, so I mean, and yeah, I'll go back to what I was going to say about the pastor thing is I liked being called Pastor Adam because I, I came back to the Lord in my adult years in my 20, late 20, mid 20s. And I started going to this church that I'm now a youth pastor at. And so those people saw me come in as a newcomer. They've already been there for a while. They saw me go from, you know, re- reconnecting with God to going through these struggles of like, okay, I have to admit my sins and I have to get back on the right track. And and then they saw me pursuing God, but I was just to congregate with them. I was I was in the audience with them, and uh, you know, submitting under the authority. And then, and then I started doing this internship with the church to become the next youth pastor. And I had no real training; I didn't go to school for it. I went to school for theater, so you know that doesn't really line up with being a pastor, other than stage experience. But, um, but to be called the first time I was called Pastor Adam, it was like, oh my gosh, God! Look at where God's brought me to. Look yeah. at all the things that I did, and I had to get rid of to now be called a pastor like man that's amazing that's only through god's grace that's only through god's work in his hands so that was really i enjoyed that and so and in our church we call pastor we call him pastor uh we don't use his first name but when he introduces himself he says hey i'm daryl i'm um the pastor here at the church um and and yeah so I, i totally get that you don't need to be having that title to tell people that you're a pastor just by who you are and what you're doing what you're saying people should kind of see that oh yeah he there's something different about him he is he is leading something here uh god's definitely working in his life 
Um, you mentioned it being a PK kid. It, are the myths true? I mean, I knew you, but are like PK kids really the worst? From you know, <laughs> from your own perspective, they're they're either the worst or the best. There's no in between. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's. it's Dude, it's funny. I know so many PKs and I, you know, even, you know, when I, when I was a teenager and I would meet people's parents or something, their, their eyes would kind of light up, you know, like, so what, what does your dad do? He's a pastor. Ah, oh, shoot. You're a PK, yeah. you know, um, missionary kids. Now those are the crazy ones. You got to watch out uh, for missionary kids. Uh, no, yes. but, uh, I, I do get there. I grew up in a unique situation, you know, because my dad, uh, he tells a great story of testimony where, you know, he grew up in the church and then he walked away from the church and then he came back mm. and his whole mission was to reach people who were like him. You know, he was mm. after the unchurched. That was what he was about. And so he, he, I, in a lot of ways, my dad was very genuine. You know, he was not fake. I mean, he oh, yeah. was he was himself in, in a lot of ways. And I never felt like my dad was pretending or anything like that. And so I always grew up around that. And I, I know a lot of pastors, kids and stuff who they don't attend church and they 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 walked away from their faith, not because of anything between them and Jesus, but because of their parents, mm. because they saw their dad or their mom on stage one way. And yeah. then when they were in at home, you know, they were another. And I, I come into those situations a lot. I even come into that situation because we're a church for people who don't like church. And so I, I talk to people all the time um, who have walked away from their faith and they're curious about walking back. And I ask them, and a lot of times it's hangups with their parents because they're, mm. they'll say, man, my mom and dad, you know, went to church and did the whole dance and they were deacons and they were elders and they were this and they were that. But behind closed doors, they were not kind to one another. You know, they were not yeah. nice to each other when I, I know people of stories like and then whenever I graduate after I graduated high school, they got divorced. And now I was like, what? You guys can't reconcile. I thought you guys are followers of Jesus. I thought this is like a thing you guys are supposed to know how to do. And so but I grew up in a unique context where I I, I got to see uh, a genuine relationship with God. And I, I grew up with a mother and a father who really loved God and really truly did love people, you know, yeah. and who taught us that. I mean, it's it's why, you know, when you and I were talking, you know, my dad would always tell me, you know, that he didn't plant a church. We planted a church. You know, he always considered New Life, the church he planted, a church we all planted. Yeah. And, and my kids even today, you know, it was funny the other yeah. day. I was playing video games and, uh, you know, when I'm playing online, my name is Pastor Punk Gaming and people, I was playing with somebody and my son was playing with me and somebody said, are you really a pastor? And I said, yes, I am. And I was telling him, I said, I've, I, we've planted two, I've planted two church. And my son goes, we've planted two churches, dad, <laughs> we've, and I said, that's right, son, we've planted two churches. <laughs> Because it's a family affair, you know, it's not a one man oh, yeah. job, it's a team effort. And so, um, you know, I, God bless PKs, man. God bless anybody yeah. who grows up under this. And, and I'm definitely aware of it as um, a, a dad and a pastor. I got two kids. I got a nine-year-old little girl. I got a seven-year-old son. Yeah. And uh, my daughter will throw my messages up in my face. My oh. daughter will be like, no, you said on Sunday. <laughs> You need to go deal with the plank in your eye and not worry about, you know, just, she'll call it out. She'll, we'll be in the yeah. car and me and Kate will be talking about the story. 
And Olivia will go, are you guys gossiping right now? <laughs> like, no. No, we're not gossiping. <laughs> I'm informing your mother of a situation. I'm not making any judgment, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really thankful for my parents and the context that I grew up in. And, uh, yeah. you know, my, my sister's in ministry now, too. It's just stupid. It's yeah, just, I don't know. It's crazy. God, I don't know why God hates our family so much. Uh, <laughs> my but sis- here's the thing. You guys are good at it, though. You know what I mean? Like, you guys... <laughs> You were you were made to be pastors like Pastor Brian, like you said, genuine man, great sermons, uh, really easy to connect to you from what I see online. I haven't been to your church as an adult, but from what I know from you as a teenager and and what I see online now, like it's great. You have great stage presence. You connect really well with your congregation. And I'm I'm assuming Brianna is the same way. I mean, she's a kid's pastor, right? Yeah, she's a kid's minister and she just moved. She just actually moved. uh, to Kansas. So she was in Oklahoma and she moved from Kansas. But yeah, I mean, you know, we, we just grew up, um, having a heart for people and, uh, ministry is not something we wanted to step into. It's just God chose us for some reason. And, uh, I do, man, I, I look back Sunday was one of those Sundays, man. I shared a story on Sunday. Um, I put it on my socials today because it's just a great clip, a great story. And uh, it's just one of those moments, man. Like I we had, I actually had leadership team last night. I got to share this story on Sunday. And, and I don't usually do altar calls. You know, I'm not a big yeah. um, uh, touchy-feely type guy. But every once in a while, it calls for one of those moments. And so we had an altar call. And we, we had this kid come down you know, the seven-year-old kid come down to the altar and and pray for the first time and about something he was stressed out about, something he was anxious about. And within a couple hours, he got a message um, that kind of answered what he was anxious about. Mm -hmm. And that that seven-year-old kid told his mom, oh, wow, so God really does hear my prayers. And at the same time, uh, a friend of mine from CrossFit came to church and, and came down to the altar and I had no clue why or anything. And second service, there's, you know, a, a woman who uh, identifies as LBGTQ walked into church for the first time in years uh, because of an invitation we gave her. And I was just telling my leadership team, I'm like, look at this. I'm like, forget numbers, forget how many butts are in the seat for a minute. In, in just the last 24 hours, we got to share this story. A seven-year-old kid prayed for the first time and like yeah. got to experience God's faithfulness on the other side of his decision to pray. Uh, here's somebody who's LBGTQ who doesn't feel like there's a church for her or a place for her in a church. She walks in the doors and is like, I'll be back next week. All these stories. Amazing. And I, I, I literally, I had this moment. I was, I was in, I've been in tears so much the last like 48 hours because of all of this cool stuff. And I do, Adam, I look back and I never once go, man, I'm really good at my job. Mm-hmm. You know, I go, <laughs> All the time, I just go, God, I don't know why you chose me. I, I have no clue. And I have no clue why you're doing this in my church right now. I don't feel yeah. like I deserve it. I don't feel like I've earned it. It's it's always just being obedient to the Spirit and feeling that nudge and saying yes to it. Um, that's all I've ever wanted to do. And that's that's all I ever want to be known for, you know, is, yeah. you know, that Michael was obedient and he really did put people first. And what he always wanted to do is be the best communicator of the 
the, the gospel that he could be so yeah. that people had a good experience. And um, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that and stuff. Uh, but, you know, God's using us. And I, I don't know. I'll, I'll do it for as long as I can. But, you know, I'm also not going to beat a dead horse. I've always told Kate, Kate and my friends, like, after Anchored Hope, I'm done. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm not going to any other churches. If I get a job offer to take a bigger church or something, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to ride this. And if it's two more years or if it's 20 more years, I'm in. I'm in for it. And um, and once I'm done, I, I, I look at this as like serving in the military. You know, it, it, once hmm. my time is up, I've done my service <laughs> and I will gladly walk away. And I've done my yeah. time and, you know. Thank you for your service. I'm not going to be that guy who stands up there and is squeezing the lemon till it's completely dry and mm -hmm. needs to get off the pulpit. Um, as long as I'm still connecting with the, you know, with with the culture and the world, and I'm communicating the gospel clearly, I'm in for it. Yeah. But as soon as I'm, you know, God tells me to step away, I will gladly go work at a gym or Walmart <laughs> or Lowe's or whatever yeah. I'm supposed to do, man. Yeah, that's true. You mentioned it. You uh, you're teaching CrossFit, right? Yeah, man. It's so weird. It's one of those things. I'll tell you what. Uh, so in 2015, I found CrossFit, which I've always been into fitness and everything. Yeah. Um, but I found CrossFit and uh, it was it was my escape. And it came at the perfect time because I was going through a lot of stuff. And it came at the perfect time and it was my escape. And I was like, oh, good. You know, um, I'm going to I'm going to use this as a place to again. I hadn't made the decision yet to just fully be Michael. But that was my place to take off the hat because it was like far away from my church and everything. And I was like, okay, this is where I can be Michael and I don't have to be Pastor Mike and I can take the hat off for a minute and breathe. But then situations changed and it forced me to come to a gym closer to where I lived. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I did and I started teaching CrossFit and everything. And, um, and so all of a sudden, these people like would see me at the gym and like, Hey, he's a nice guy. He's a good coach. He seems like a funny, you know, hey, he's funny. He's relatable and stuff. And this guy's a pastor. Like, <laughs> I don't think pastors are even supposed to look like this guy or like act like this guy. I don't even think pastors are allowed to like, you know, be in this place and listen to Metallica right now, but okay. <laughs> um, but they started coming to my church. And so, you know, fast forward to now, I kid you not, in my in my church, I have 30 CrossFitters, 30, wow. 30 CrossFitters. They're on my leadership team. They're they're serving. And then I've had people that have gone from my church to CrossFit to where at my gym, we literally have classes. We call them the Anchored Hope class. And it's really it's all people from my church and my staff. And we we've just in the last four weeks had people from our gym come. And it's, yeah. it's, I, I never expected this, never expected this wow. in, in my life, but yeah, we're seeing this like blending of the worlds all of a sudden and it's so cool. So it's like when you walk in my church, you will see the, I mean, it's, it's a whole gambit of ages and everything, but yeah. you will see a lot of tattooed buff men and women. Um, I've always, I've told them, I said, you know what, if, if one church wanted to fight us in an alley, we would win. <laughs> we, we will be they're, fine. They're just, they're just doing easy ups or whatever they're, you know, pull ups yeah. on the rafters and yeah. Uh, if, if the church, pews, yeah. yeah, I've had people say you're the only pastor I've seen with his shirt off 
sweaty, yelling, um, while loud music is blaring. Like the context of like you're my pastor on Sunday up there in your yeah. polo, talking and crying. You're crying like a baby about you know yeah. some sappy story, and then 24 hours later you're in the gym ripping your shirt off, going let's go, you know chalk chalking up and everything. It's a weird context, but it's so cool too for me because my context is literally with my church. I do. I worship with my church. I pray with my church. I work out with my church. I serve mm. with my church. My church, they're my friends. They're my family. They're my workout partners. It's such a unique, cool thing to experience. Um, yeah. But it makes our faith community so, so cool. And it, it normalizes us in a lot of ways because mm. we're not just worship church-going people. We are... Yeah. We are mothers, we are fathers, we are children, we, you know, we, we have jobs, we're entrepreneurs, we, we're, all, we're all this thing. And so it just makes our church look like this community who's mm. just, you know, just like when we go to the gym to take care of our fitness, we go to the church to take care of our souls, you know? Yeah. It's the spiritual, it's, it's, it's all of it all mixed together, and so it's created this really cool context for us. And I never in a million years thought that CrossFit would be my number one form of evangelism. <laughs> but it is, just working but, out yeah. and just being my, being my be, again, being Michael, being myself, mm -hmm. it, it has normalized me to, you know, um, allow people to come up and approach me and want to come to my church and go, well, man, if that guy and all these people and his wife, you know, they seem like normal people. I don't think they're going to bite me if I go. Yeah. So I'm going to go try it and I'm going to go to church with them. You've mentioned a couple of times here about normalizing yourself and taking off that pastor role. Has that really, um, I think, I think in today's world, people put pastors on a pedestal, which is why we really have wanted to do this podcast to show that all of us are, are the same, you know, humans. We're all flawed in some way or another. You're eating a donut hole right now, and you're a CrossFit manager. So uh, I appreciate the pastries, man. <laughs> I, I I literally came from the gym, and there was a pastry waiting for Perfect. me. I love this out. show. I love this show. I want to be a guest. I want to return. <laughs> but do you think, I mean, do you think that, I mean, pastors put their mental health and their own health in general on the back burner for their ministry? Uh, and you've, I feel like you've done a really good job of separating that and saying, no, I need to focus on myself too, so I can focus on my ministry. Is is that kind of what led to your sabbatical and to you rethinking of taking that that hat off? So, I I think two things. I think we do it to ourselves as pastors, and then I mm -hmm. think people have done it to us. Right? Mm -hmm. It's just it's part of the beast that we created. So, like I said, I think a lot of pastors. They look the part, they put a hat on, they put a mask on. You know, mm -hmm. I, I know pastors who talk differently on stage than the, they would talk if you, you know, met them at yeah. Pizza Hut. Yeah. I, I know pastors who dress differently, you know, all of this stuff. I, I know pastors who will talk one way on stage and then they're going home and, and, you know, they're watching House of Dragon, but they'll never tell you that. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. But they are, you know? And so we've done it to ourselves in a lot of ways. But the, and, and a lot of pastors get a hero complex is what happens, mm -hmm. I think, um, because it's addictive to feel good to help people, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's not sustainable. But then the other thing is, is people have put us up on, on pedestals. And so it's a, it's a thing that goes round and round, right? And I think that 
uh, as a pastor, you, you have to do certain things to manage that. You know, I always tell people, I'm not a counselor, I'm a pastor. So if people mm-hmm. want to meet with me, I tell them, I'll meet with you one time. But if you want to meet on a regular basis, I am not a counselor. I was not trained for that. I had a semester in counseling. Okay. And I can't, I think I got a C in that class. Okay. It wasn't good. I didn't learn anything. (laughs) So I'm not a counselor. Now other pastors, they will, they would love to do that. They, Mm -hmm. they get off on that. You know, I'm not that guy. But for me, what happened was, again, I was wearing the pastor hat. My dad left. I was on an Island by myself. Um, a lot of stuff happened that just was tricky situations. Um, you know, we, we, we broke away from, you know, the church that my dad was pastoring. We broke away from them, um, which was a situation we didn't want to happen. It just happened. And, you know, looking back on it, it's all good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a lot of stuff that happened and there was a lot of things that were in flux. Again, I was still very young. Yeah. And then there was one night where there's a lot was happening and I, I had my first panic attack and it was like, I was talking to my wife in the kitchen and I was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And my wife was anxious about something. And it was like, it was like there was a power cord in the back of my head and somebody pulled it, just yanked the vac. It was like when a vacuum just dies when they yank, it was, and I mean, I just went back, everything blacked out. I went backwards. My wife grabbed me luckily. So I didn't like hit my head or anything. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, again, we all have, I, th- I think now we're much more aware, but, uh, you know, I've never, I've always assumed that you go to a counselor because you had a real problem, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, going to counseling was kind of like a dirty word. Yeah. But after that, my wife was like, you need to go see a counselor, you know? And, and this was something I always knew was in me. I, I've always been an anxious person. Uh, I've dealt with depression. I've dealt with suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. And, um, but I always just kind of kept it myself. And like a lot of Christians, I always tried to pray it away. You know, yeah. um, I didn't talk about it a whole lot. And, um, you know, when I would mention it to like my parents or something, you know, they said what any parent would say, you know, my mom would tell me, you just need to have faith. You just need to have faith. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I I have faith. I'm just, that's not helping. You know, I'm praying. It's, I I felt like Paul with a thorn in his side. I'm praying for this to go away. And guess what? It's not, I don't know what to do. Um, and so I tried so many things and then I had that panic attack and then I started to really, uh, I remember another thing that really happened was, uh, me and my wife were sitting down and, you know, we love Netflix and stuff. And so we were sitting down watching a show and we, that show 10 reasons why is it, was it yeah. 10 reasons, 10 uh-huh. reasons, Yeah. uh, 10 reasons why came out, you know, and it's all about suicide. It's about a right. girl who commits Teenage. suicide and the reason she does it. And my wife's watching the show and she's like, this show's so stupid. I don't know why she, this girl would want to do this. Why would she feel this way? Why would she what? And I was sitting there and I was relating to it. This is one of the oh, best. Wow. This was one of the best shows that depicted how I felt a lot of hmm. times. And so my wife was like, kind of like, oh my gosh, like blowing it off, kind of like, you know, bashing the character. And for the first time in my life, I turned to my wife and I was like, um, well, I, I feel that way. And she was like, what you do? And I was like, how she feels is 
how I feel a lot of times. Mm. And it was the first time I ever said it out loud, you know, and it, yeah. cause it felt like admitting a weakness almost. Mm. But then like it, after that, my wife started to really understand me in a different way and was like, you've got to go talk to somebody, you know, this is not something you can pray away. You've tried that. This is not yeah. something I can do for you. And so for the first time I went to counseling and, um, so, and it was, it was great. You know, counseling helped me so much. It helped yeah. me. I remember one of the things my, my counselor told me, um, was, you know, I want you to understand your anxiety is a superpower. He said, so what you do is you look at things that could happen. You look at stuff and you look at people and you can see all the things that could potentially happen. You can see the good things that can happen, but you can also see the bad things that can happen and you want to mm -hmm. be prepared for those bad things. He said, that's a superpower. You can, you can see into the future. Yeah, now, here's the problem. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the problem is, is that when you see into the future and you see the potential bad things that you want to try to control that's that but then you try to control what could possibly be bad and that's what makes you spin mm -hmm. and that's what you need so use your superpower because man when you're at your best you throw great events it's why you're a great pastor it's why people love your community events and stuff you're organized you've thought through everything which is it's a compliment i get all the time man you have thought through everything you've thought through mm -hmm. people's experience you've thought through what they're going to see what they're going to feel what they're going to smell all of that stuff um, cause I'm meticulous about that. So yeah. he's like, Hey, she's like, I don't want to give you drugs and like numb this. I don't think you're at that point yet, but I want you to harness your superpower. And when you feel like it's starting to spiral down the, down a bad place, here are some tools you can use to control it and pull yourself back. Mm -hmm. And so when I started to learn that and I was like, Oh, okay, I don't need to pray this thing away or I don't need to numb myself till I can't feel it. I need to use it. It's like anything. It's like, it's like I always tell people, you know, you have passion and you have anger, right? Passion is a great thing to have. Passion can also turn into anger. You know mm, what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like everything, everything has its uh, dark side and its light side, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's finding balance in the force, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> to try to, to try to, you know, cause you could go either way with it is the problem. And so yeah. for me, what I was dealing with in my mental health was learning to do that. And I've used counseling. Um, I've been on testosterone for this last year. Uh, mm -hmm. Using testosterone as a supplement mm -hmm. has changed my mood so much. So, I mean, I've, I've looked into everything. I started looking at my sleep, what I eat, you know, my fitness. I got my testosterone tested. I found out it was low in testosterone. Mm -hmm. um, I do testosterone treatment now. Mm -hmm. I... I feel fantastic. I am laser focused. Um, that has helped quite a bit. And so now I'm in this great place. But like this year, I finally started to, uh, we really try to focus on being a next gen church. And what we mean by that is we want to be a church that hands the church over to the next generation. So we started really doing a lot of research on Gen Z uh, yeah. and, and, and Gen Alpha and looking at like, what does Gen Z want to talk about? You know, what are the big hot topic things that, you know, they're, they're looking for answers for that they're mm -hmm. not getting from culture. And one of those was anxiety. And so I yeah. did a series on anxiety and I was very honest with people. I want you to know, I am not preaching to you. I am preaching from 
myself because Experience. I I have I have thought about suicide. I have had mm. panic attacks. I I have been to counseling, and this is my journey. And I'll tell you, Adam, what was so cool was I did this series on anxiety for like four weeks, and then I brought my counselor to church to answer everyone's questions. Oh my so, gosh! So I had him on stage, and I had people send in questions, and he yeah. he answered them on stage. Since that series. I've had at least five men from my church come up to me and say, hey, I have also dealt with this. I've not been able to talk about it, but I want you to know when you shared your story, I thought, well, if he can do it, then why am I not doing it? Yeah. And, and now they're in counseling or seeing my counselor. And so now like we have, you know, we have this cool thing of like in our church, there's all these people that are in counseling because we're talking about anxiety and yeah. you know, we went from that series to a series on sex. And then now we're doing, we're doing a series here soon about uh, friendship. And so we're focusing on these things and what we've, my sister nailed it because when we started this, this year and started doing these series and talking about this, my sister really grabbed hold of our content too, and really got a lot of it. And she called me one day and she said, you know what you've done? You've created a safe place to talk about these things that aren't safe to talk about anywhere else hmm. because nowhere on, on the football field, they're not talking yeah. about anxiety or mental health. It's about right. a game or something else. You know, they're not talking about friendship and how to keep friends. They're not talking about sexual integrity and mm -hmm. you know, how to have good sexual relationships or any of that stuff. Like that's stuff the church has never talked about stuff. A pastor has never talked about and stuff. A, a pastor has never shared his story about. Yeah. But as, as I'm being myself and sharing my experiences, what I've learned, how I've struggled with it, what I've been through. Um, it's, it's creating this safe space to where now we're, we're having all of these. We had to start a young adult ministry because we had all these 20 somethings starting to come to our church because That's they're great. like, Oh, you're a church that talks about anxiety and isn't just like yeah. just about praying it away or just having faith. But you're like, you're honest and you're open. And here's a pastor who's not just, throwing scripture verses at me about this stuff. But like right. this guy's had a panic attack. Yeah. Like this guy's thought about this stuff and he's, he's gotten through it with the help of God, but also he's up there also with the help of testosterone and hours yeah. of counseling. Okay. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's a balance of both. Okay. I could, so there's things I can do and there's things I can give to God and there's mm -hmm. a mixture of this stuff. And it's just created this really cool environment, you know. That's amazing. Um, and I, and I, I do. I mean, if if there was a pastor listening to this, I think pastors need to f have the courage. And it really is. It takes courage. It really takes some 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 balls. It takes some balls. Yeah. To be open and honest with your congregation, not to glorify anything you've done or you've been through. Right. But to be open and honest with your own struggles and how God's gotten you or your marriage through it, yeah. um, I think it's I think it's good, and it's it's a way for us to step off the pedestal mm -hmm. and 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 make ourselves remind everybody that we are one of the people. Yes, we're the shepherds, but we are one of the people too. Right, and we we deal with stuff too, and we're not perfect in any way. Yeah, um, and Nothing. creates Sorry. a community. Yeah, I think that's hard too for a lot of pastors because <clears throat> it's a very old school way of thinking, like you said, and and the church needs to shift to this next generation and the generations to follow. And they've gone through a, a lot of things that 
this older generation that has taught all these pastors how to be a pastor, they haven't really gone through it or been able to express it because of the stigmas with it. Because with oh, you, if you're going to be a pastor, you have to guide these people that are needing help. And if you also need help, how are they going to trust you? You know, but that's changed. Like you said, Gen Z is is wanting people to just be honest and and real and and experience or have talk to someone that has the experience that, that they're experiencing. Um, I found that yeah. with my youth group is when I started sharing my stories from when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult and when I was in Hollywood, not pursuing God, but pursuing my own things. Um, they are getting ready to go through those things as well. And to see the difference of, okay, I've, I've been where you guys are at and I've also been on the other side of it and being on the other side of it's so much better because of X, Y, and Z. But I know why this is tempting. I know why this looks attractive to you right now. Um, and, and some people are going to listen to that and be like, you know what, I'm going to stay away from that. Or they're going to be like, you know what, I kind of, I need to see for myself. Um, but at least they have me in the back of their head being like, you know, I've been here and, I, and I've been on the other side too. So uh, I applaud you for that. It does take a lot of courage to step up and to share your experiences like that in front of your congregation. My hope too, you know, is, you know, I, I again, just the things that my dad taught me, you know, the dad, things that my dad um emulated in front of me I, I you know my my kids sitting there a lot of times when i'm talking about this stuff mm -hmm. um it's a lot of adult, adult it's, it's hard it's hard yeah. to say that kind of stuff in front of your kid man you know yeah. but i think she's better for it you know because it, she knows it's okay to talk about this stuff you know mm -hmm. and that's part of you know i always tell her all the time baby girl this is for you this everything we're doing is for you this is your church now you know yeah I, I want to hand it off to the next generation. And, and so um, it, it, we're creating this safe space, too, where even our kids are learning, you know, which is something as millennials we didn't learn. It wasn't right. it was it was not that was one thing that we've not been shown well how to deal with mental health issues and mental right. health crises. So we're trying to teach this next generation how to handle it the right way. And, and know that the church, the church should be a safe place to talk about this stuff. You know, the same sex attraction, you know, mental health stuff, any of this stuff, the church should be the safest place in the world to talk about this stuff. Yeah. And for the longest time, the church has been the last place you would talk about this stuff because you weren't supposed to talk about this stuff. Because mm -hmm. if you admitted that, you either had sin in your life or you were failing in your faith. And that's just not the truth. It's just yeah. not true. So we're trying to create a safe space where you can talk about all this stuff, but it starts with me. It starts with leadership. It starts with us creating a culture of it being a safe place to talk about this stuff. And so I have to lead by example. Yeah. Preach. That's awesome, man. I love it. I love it. Well, we're almost out of time, uh, sir. I appreciate all the time you've given us today. Um, like I said before, you're eating these uh, these donut holes. I picked oh, donut holes for you because they are tiny, but they give you everything you want from a donut. And I feel like, <laughs> is that what I am to you? <laughs> are you calling me your little donut hole? <laughs> you... <laughs> I, that came out wrong. That came out wrong. That came out wrong. And you just get a bunch of them. And I feel like with you, you just get, you just get a bunch, you know? I don't know. I just fit. In my head, it fit. I don't know. Take it or leave it. I'm sorry. I feel bad for the next guy because what if it's like a a big, thick, doughy one, and you're like, you, you're, you're you thick. Kind of fit it. Yeah, you're There's... thick and you're doughy and big. Anyway, 
I don't know. Tell, tell us about how you've lost 30 pounds. <laughs> Maybe that's the flaw with this podcast. I don't know. I've got to rethink it. But I don't hey. know. I like it. Good. I'm glad you like it. Thank you, sir. Hey, well, Mike, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Uh, is there anything, last final words you want to say, any, you know, books that you're writing, anything like that? Uh, people that, where can people go to watch your sermons, that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's just um, anchoredhope.church. Um, we're on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and all that stuff. Um, I also stream uh, gaming and stuff, Pastor Punk Gaming on Twitch and stuff. Um, so nice. you can check that out every once in a while. It's been a cool way to just reach people and normalize being a pastor and everything. Um, but no, that's it's pretty much it. And uh, thanks for having me, cool. man. I appreciate being able to sit down with you and talk. Yeah, and then last last question. If you could describe Christianity in one sentence, what would it be? Oh, man. <laughs> Christianity in one sentence. Uh, Christianity in one sentence is, uh, I would say, loving God, loving others, and learning to love yourself. It's something that I've added this last year um, in my prayers in church. You know, we've for a long time we've talked about loving God, you know, um, and I think a lot of, um, modern churches are understanding the new Testament command to love God and love others. Uh, <laughs> but I've really, we've really focused again on this whole initiative that we've been on this last year. You don't know how to love others until you've learned to love yourself. That's right. Uh, and so you can't, and you can't love God without loving others. And so we've tried to connect that extra dot in there, um, that you need to learn to love yourself and learn that God loves you. Yeah. And when you learn that you can love yourself and how to take care of yourself, then you will know how to truly love others and you will in turn love God. So I think that if there is one sentence I could put in what it looks like to follow Jesus, it's love God, love others, and love yourself. That's great. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Good seeing you, my friend. And um, and that's it. Thanks for, the, thanks for coming on. Pastors and Pastries is hosted by Adam Tucker, proudly produced by Paved Path Production. We want to give a huge special thanks to Kelsey Egan and Gracie Shedd, executive produced by Adam Tucker, producer and sound engineer Haley Tucker, theme song by Brandon Liu and Lou's Music, sound mixing by Brandon Liu. Thank you for listening to Pastors and Pastries. You can check out all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts released every Friday. Follow us on social media at Pastors and Pastries, all spelled out. And until next time, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.